Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with longtime Rockstar Inner Circle member, Dave Bennett. Dave's an interesting character because he's very humble, he's a soft-spoken kind of guy, but he's been through a lot of stuff. His real estate adventure is super interesting because you're going to hear how it all starts with a bottle of scotch, and then this theme of this scotch worked its way right through the podcast, so that was a little accidental, but there you go. But he also shares not only his real estate journey, but then his business and career journey and how he evolved working you know, for himself and then working for a larger corporation and then back working for himself again, so really interesting and then he has the most crazy travel and adventure stories he actually I think downplayed some of what he went through I'm not going to share more than that until you hear it on the podcast but wait till you hear yeah I'll just leave it at that wait till you hear some of his stories that he shares towards the end I mean it's pretty shocking so great guy I think some of the you know sometimes Nick and I just reflect back on doing this podcast and what we're most I guess grateful for is the ability to have Canadians right here in the greater Toronto area and right across the country come on here and share their story because when we were starting and you know buying properties and flipping properties and then starting to build Rockstar we didn't have this sort of communication we felt we were like alone so to be able to share this these stories and and get the message out that there's other Canadians building businesses doing real estate doing joint ventures with their real estate going through struggles and pain to try to get through to the other side and succeed with what they're doing to us this is what it's all about so we are very grateful to have the opportunity to share these stories with you so I'm not even sure exactly why I'm sharing that with you today but just uh, that's what I was thinking anyway enough with this until uh, if you're ready to get started in real estate investing yourself you can always check out what we're all about at rockstarinnercircle.com and if you want to become a rockstar inner circle member you can check out the membership and all the benefits of becoming a rockstar inner circle member at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member if you use the code YLYT to join the membership you get a big fat juicy discount so that's Y-L-Y-T at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. With that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Nick, can you hear me? Because you don't have your headphones on, so I'm asking. You know what? That's okay. We won't even really listen for the answer. I can Dave, hear you. Okay, good. Thanks, Dave. Thanks <laughs> so for filling in, Dave. Dave Appreciate we're, it. We were just saying, um, uh, Dave, holy shit, man. Like, looking through the list of things that you were kind enough to just quickly outline here, you've d- you come across like the most polite, not that you're not polite, <laughs> but a really polite guy that, I don't know, I just wouldn't expect that... We'll, we'll get to the heli, ski, the, the Alaska skiing with the avalanche with the guy who goes to jail. We'll get to later, yeah. and then this thing where you're caught on an island. We'll get to. But first, how did you get started getting student rentals at McMaster? Because that's basically how Nick and I got. Yeah, I was sorta, laughing when I saw that. Yeah, yeah. that's similar to our story. Like, what the hell? Yeah, well, um, it was back in 2005. Um, I recently got married, and my one of my best friends just got married, and my younger brother um, was. Uh, hanging around <laughs> how, how how much what's the difference between you and your brother uh three years oh he sounds pretty smart already just younger brothers in general i just think smarter yeah, yeah. he's very i smart like guy. you you're a nice guy yeah. but your yeah. younger brother's got to be like just you know maybe a little bit better there nick yeah. set you up for that david right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. we my my buddy my brother and i we are all uh we all have different um things that we bring to this group and we're we're sitting around one night and uh talk right into the mic for us yeah, yeah there we go we're sitting around one night and we had a bottle of scotch and <laughs> there you we, go <laughs> we drank it and um the end result of that night was within seven days we're going to incorporate a company and buy a student rental at mcmaster so you, did you guys do it we did we incorporated and went out and looked at every student rental that was on the market at the time and bought the best of what was there and they weren't really good but no they weren't really <laughs> they, good no they weren't but we were happy with the one we got we got it for a very cheap price it was 2005 um there were five rooms uh three were rented so we filled the other two and then we just set up a process where every year in january at the christmas break we would identify if they're going to stay if they weren't we'd list it have an open house day 
one guy would man the door with a line of kids down the street. The other guy would do a tour in the house, and I'd be in the kitchen with the lease. So, yeah. I'm like, Dude, you did the is... same thing as us. Really? We thought we were the smartest people ever. We didn't know people were doing that at the same time as us. Well, we. we I want to used... refuse to believe that you were doing this because I still want to believe Nick and I were the smartest people around. It took us two years to get to that point. Like we were scrambling for the first couple of years, and uh, it got to a point where we realized one guy, like each of us, could do a role and and not make it as. Uh, as stressful and chaotic. One, so. Yeah, once you put that system in place, I, then it's just, it, it's literally, like it's just a nice, easy process. Mm-hmm. Right? But I give you guys credit for, after the bottle of scotch, actually going and doing it. Because at the end of the bottle, I think a lot of people have a lot of great ideas that yeah. they never follow up on. Well, my brother, he was the note taker, right? And he, there were, uh, there was one step. And so at the note, it was to do, right? We called it, uh, whatever our rental company was, Gink Properties. And, uh, we woke up in the morning, we're all like mang- hung over and we, we <laughs> pulled out our to-do list and there was only one item and all it said, we still have the paper, buy a place. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's, That's cool though. Good so, for you guys. Yeah. Now, what was the re like uh, in that discussion, what I'm curious about is what was the reason to buy a place? Because when you're, when you're having drinks and you're drunk, <laughs> which I'm not saying you were, but you probably were, yeah. you have the most brilliant reasons for deciding that you want to buy a property. What was it? We forecasted ahead about 20 years and we wanted to know that we were going to have an asset base that was growing and giving us a a monthly income. And we didn't know any other way to do that other than a rental property. How old were you guys? uh, 29. I was 30 because I just got married. Um, my buddy was 30 and my brother would have been 27 at the time. There was a show on TV called trademark properties or, uh, oh my God. Well, I, I think that rings that. a bell. It, it was an American guy in like North yeah. Carolina or something he, and he would flip. Oh, that oh, guy. I, I do that. remember he was that. one of the early reality TV very, show guys. Very early. That was a great one. It was good. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. good. And, and it was really entertaining and they had a process down where they would buy a house and within like 21 days, the team would go in, gut it repair it new roof new everything and then sell it and they'd be in and out within a month and flipping was never never our uh you know motivation but acquiring an asset that would that would give us positive cash flow when we were sleeping would was uh that was appealing to us and then you know we we learned a lot of mistakes and and tough things (laughs) we went through a lot of crap in the first few years with that and uh we never stopped a, a a flowing stream of shit, shit like yeah. Nick did. No, yeah, yeah, we didn't have to do that, thankfully. But yeah. um, we learned a lot of stuff. Just managing the the, the leasing part, um, renting ads, getting kids to the place, uh, dealing with their parents, dealing with like problems with the house, and then about because these are old houses around Hamilton. Very old, yeah. yeah. Um, my dad, we would we would call it my dad, and and him and my mom would run over after. The transition and they'd go over and clean it up sometimes until my dad quit like we bought him a t-shirt that said property manager on it and he got so sick of uh of what the students would leave behind he he finally just said no yeah yeah, yeah they're the student the student cleaning companies are like student rental cleaning companies are made of a different different yeah. breed we've had sure. really clean students too to be fair we've we had both very, groups yeah. but there was one group that was a little messy and there's this one guy i'll never forget going to that basement fridge and I saw this like red sauce that had been po- spilling out of the fridge and it was on the floor, spilling onto the floor and like pooling on the floor. And it was like a bottle of like hot sauce that had tipped over. And it was clear they were continuing to use the fridge and no one had like picked up the bottle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I remember thinking like, what the heck are you, what are you? And then I looked over and there was probably, Nick, I don't know if you remember these one guys and there was like 30 boxes of Domino's pizzas in the corner, just stacked, like all empty with crumbs in them and stuff just all stacked on top of each other but to be fair because i know anyone listening is like oh yeah student rentals are crazy if you're not familiar with them we've also had really great and clean students in properties as well Mm -hmm. it's just different groups but the the biggest thing is we've we we haven't had and i'll knock on wood here but i mean you know we respect the kids too but we haven't had anyone really damage the property the biggest thing that, that we've had to encounter with student properties is the mess which is no more than calling a cleaning company and then the mess is gone like it's not yeah. it's never been a a really big issue we never had damage either there yeah. was never damage no broken windows like nothing people yeah, are terrified the fears the are overblown yeah. they're completely oh, totally. overblown yeah and when i would tell people we had student rentals they'd be like oh man that's like that's brutal and it's like because they watch the the movies and yeah. they think there's just parties every night yeah. no well we would say and with the parents there um 
if the door creaks, I don't want to hear it. If you see a bug, I don't want to hear it. If a light bulb goes out, don't call me. But if there's a problem with the roof, there's no water, there's something dangerous, call me and we'll fix it right away. And we want you to have fun. Party, because I partied in, in university. Like, have a great time. This is a good time of your life. But respect the house and don't wreck it. Right? So that was that was our yeah, message. That's and cool. that's pretty much all you need. Yeah. How did you parlay that property? Because you ended up with, is it five rental properties? So what did you do there? Yeah, so we uh, we were just paying our mortgage down pretty quickly. And um, after a couple after a couple of years, my brother, who really likes condos as, as investments, said, why don't we refinance this and buy a condo in Burlington? So we did that and had that condo for a couple of years. And then then we we were getting, we started to have kids and, and, you know, babies were showing up and our time was, was less available. So we regrettably now sold the student house. No. Yeah. So we did. <laughs> I've never met anyone who's like, you're a, cause I, I sold one of our student rentals as well. And I remember just looking back on, it, I'm like, no, why did we do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it was the Different right move t- at the time. At the time you yeah. got to do what you got to do. Yeah, it was yeah. The right move at the time, but we sold that and bought two condos in Burlington with that money so then we had three condos um and then so you turned that one property because this is the number one question we get that people will ask nick and i like how did how do you guys kind of roll properties forward and we're like every investor goes through that frustration period where you buy you want and then you just think you want to make um, get a million properties but you kind of have to wait a little period of time for the equity to build up but then once it builds up Nick and I have tapped into properties multiple times to buy other properties. And to hear you say the same thing, that's pretty much how most Canadians are doing it. But hold on, let me be clear, because here you said, uh, you said we kept refinancing the house to multiply it into a total of five rentals. So we, we refinanced the house to get the, the first Burlington condo. And then sold it to get the two sold more. Sold it, bought two more. And then refinanced those? Yes. To buy two more? Yes. So that first, that bottle of scotch led to five properties. Yeah. That was so a good you, bottle of scotch. You should get drunk more often. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you really should get drunk more often, man. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your wife we're yeah, saying yeah. that, though. That's a, yeah. So, uh, cool. Yeah, so, no, then each of you, so, now, so it's five condos. Nope. It is uh, a duplex. Um, uh, sorry, at the time it was five condos. Uh, yes. Okay. Because each of you were managing two? Yep. That didn't add up. And though. then... Two and one. No. Yeah, two and one. And then one of the condos we sold... Um, it was anyway. We didn't like that one, so we sold it and bought uh, with JP a student rental in oh, St. So Catharines. So that's when you met oh, us. Okay. This is JP Gulbis on our team. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was. Uh, so when I when when I met you guys, it was we had three properties. I'm starting to lose track now. Yeah. Because we bought two new it, build condos. It sounds recently. like you had some okay. scotch. Yeah. That you had yeah. some scotch. We had some more scotch recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some more scotch. No, but you know what? But that, to your point, Tom, what you're asking, but a lot of investors ask, like, how do you kind of keep going? Because, yeah. you know, you run out of capital. And if you, there is some time involved, yeah. then it becomes a little bit of a shell game. You're like, okay, you know, it, it gets fun. So it's not about, it's not just about, because the cash flow is still important, but the extra few hundred bucks a month you're making cash flow. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's this equity that you can start playing with. And it's it's no different than, then I, you know, I'm not a big gambler, but if you're at a casino and you're kind of playing with house money, you're like, ah, you know, let's kind of, let's see what we can do mm-hmm. here. Let's kind of put some here, put some here and see what happens, right? Well, to that point, and this might sound a little out there, but as we started accumulating these things, um, we started to, to have an annual offsite meeting. And I think I remember you saying yeah, this before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I might have forwarded you guys this yeah. a couple of years ago, but my buddy Ryan, he's a, a corporate guy. He made a deck, so a slideshow for our offsite, and we would go away for a night, uh, usually to my parents' um, cottage, and we would allocate eight hours with an agenda, and we'd sit there with our computers and our books. I thought and you were going to say with scotch. No, well, that came later, but <laughs> okay. we'd, we'd have a couple of beers while we're doing this, but we would have a whole agenda of stuff to do, and, and it's called our Gink Properties offsite, and, and then Rye would do a presentation, and... He has the pillars for growth. Because this is now you, your brother, and another person? Yeah, yeah, my buddy Ryan. He's part of this group now. He was the initial three. Yeah. Okay, got yeah, it. Just got the three it. of us. So, um, you know, managing this group of properties is not that bad considering there's three of us. But we had, like, we had these four pillars that we would that would always drive our decisions. And we would, every year, circle back and make sure we were, we were aligned. We got shareholder alignment here. Where Holy are, shit. Compared where to Nick we? and I, you guys are freaking no, but we'd awesome. Be like, where are we? Where do we want to go? Like, what's our actual goal? What's our vision? 
Um, Dude, you have like chart. People listening can't see this. You have like charts, graphs. No, it's, no, a, it's a corporate slide deck. Yeah, yeah. You have a, yeah, it is. And you have an. You're doing your offsite. Yeah. 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 Current asset growth trend in Canada. Dude, that's starting to spike the, up. Yeah, it's it's. This is good. those are your assets. These are ours, of yeah. Gink of Gink? Gink properties. Yeah, yeah. This is really this is from 2018. Yeah. So we failed to have one last year. Just we were busy, and then COVID hit, so we couldn't get our our yeah. annual offsite this year so far. Well, you could have got like um, things to keep six feet apart mm-hmm. and you could have just pointed those at each other and talked six feet apart and just like push the bottle yeah. of scotch between each other. That's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> big between straws. The, big straws from the bottle of scotch. <laughs> Holy smokes. You know That's what? awesome. You know, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know it's actually how? kept us aligned. It yeah, helps, especially when you're doing with partners. Mm-hmm. It forces you guys to have those conversations. I mean, I still have a property with a friend of mine and, you know, it's under management and I, I don't think I've. I had to reach out to him like, hey, shouldn't we get a new furnace this year? Because we figure yeah. it's going to break soon. And um, and before that, I haven't reached out to him in months. And we, we don't even know what we're doing with this property. We just, just still have it. We've had yeah. it for years. You don't and, know what and, you're doing because it's cash flowing. You're keeping it. You've refinanced that sucker yeah. multiple times. Yeah. So we're just kind of letting it ride. But it's yeah. nice. It would be probably smart for us to get on, pay, uh, on the same page and be like, hey, what do we want to do with this thing? Because there's an mm-hmm. opportunity there. So it makes sense for sure. It's nice when you don't, you don't, you don't, for whatever reason, life gets busy and you kind of ignore a property, not from a maintenance point of view, but from a financial point of view for a few years, because then you look back at the equity and the mortgage paying down. Nick and I looked at one of our student rentals. I think you just renewed the Bank of Nova Scotia one on, and we looked at the size mm-hmm. of the, uh, the mortgage and I was like, holy shit. Like, I guess we're, we're getting kind of on in mm-hmm. age yeah. <laughs> because this mortgage is basically tiny now and the property is appreciated. <laughs> we have a running joke, by the way, on student rentals by McMaster because we joke that like when, our, one, when one of our student rentals at McMaster hits a valuation of $1 million, that will be peak of the market because there should be no reason a student rental by McMaster University hits the valuation of a $1 million unless monetary policy in this country goes completely bananas, which it will because I don't know if you saw the Financial Post article Nick sent me it saying that our Bank of Canada is considering open to negative interest rates. And uh, I I just kind of laughed. I'm like, holy smokes, man. We are going to see a day when a student rental that we bought for $250,000 is going to quadruple quadruple is it, is it close like it must be it's close it's I just, you know what we just haven't actually looked maybe it hit there now we're gonna have a party no, it's bring on the scotch I, I was, bring I, on the scotch i was just thinking so i just did the math because i'm curious it's been about 20 years from that particular one and it we and it's it's gone up about 300 percent. so if you do 300 divided by 20 it's 15 it's like 15 percent. like that's on average right that's over the average 20, compounded over, it's probably compounded. a little bit less because yeah. of the compound yeah that's right but I mean, that's yeah, it's what ridiculous. Return, it's, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. with the, with the, whatever the initial down payment was was twenty grand or wh- whatever that number of twenty five mm-hmm. something like that. It's just it's you, you know, can't but beat it's it. Time, but it goes back to being time in the market, and it's the same thing you guys benefited from, yep. right? It's the time in the market that's key. You need a little bit of patience with this stuff, but that's where it gets really fun and powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I but you're think, right. It's not far. It's not far off. And you, when Tom first said that the million dollars to rental, I'm like, yeah, could you imagine? That'd be crazy. No, because the guy we, that we our bought whole it team from kind of laughed. Like, oh come on. Well, the like, guy that we bought it from bought it for like it went up like he bought it for four hundred. Like, it went up about four hundred. He bought it for, for fifty three thousand, something like that. So and we bought it for two fifty, thinking we okay. You got this guy's up. taking us to yeah. the cleaners. <laughs> yeah, and we thought we you know so we're like it. So that means this thing would have to be about a million dollars for it to be the same thing. And and we're like that could be that's crazy. And yeah. we're almost at crazy 20 years later. What else is on your chart here? Because on here it says you're you, you now you bought other properties and commercial properties. So what else have you bought? Yeah. So I'm a physiotherapist. And uh, when I graduated, um, one of my friends who I worked for before getting into physio school, he was a physiotherapist and he owned a number of clinics in Hamilton. So I went to work for him right away. And um, uh, we grew the the one clinic I was working at to the point where it it couldn't fit in the building that we were renting. So we went down the street and bought another big property and moved the clinic into there. So that was owned by him and I, and then we moved the clinic in. And years later, we sold that clinic, but kept the building. And we did that in, in Hagersville also, actually. So, um, yeah, so we have those two, those two properties right now. The tenants are our own businesses that we don't own them anymore, but we used to. So we knew the tenant very well. Uh, they're a stable tenant. They, they pay decent rent. Um, yeah, we got that. And then how did you guys, so that basically your business ended up, essentially the business ended up buying you the asset 
and you the business moved on, you were able to kind of continue the asset afterwards. Yeah. It's a nice little free, it's a nice little parting gift yeah. when you move on from the business, that's for sure. Yeah, it was great. And the buyer of the of the business didn't want to buy the building, and we were happy to hold on to it and continue to. Have you ever thought what's more valuable, the physio, your business or the real estate in your business? And the reason I ask is because when our father was running his drywall business, I remember when he closed it down mm-hmm. and walking away from the industrial rental unit that he was using. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, all those years our dad was building the business, but the, the shell that held the business was actually more valuable than the business inside the yeah. shell. Yeah. And it was just this eye-opening moment for me when I was pretty young mm-hmm. that like, wow, who owns that real estate? Especially here? commercial properties because the prop- the commercial properties are literally cinder block and a concrete floor. Like at least at home, you feel like you're getting more because there's some interior walls in the ki- yep. some kitchen cabinets. Yep. Commercial ones is like nothing. A new business goes in, they rip it all out anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. And they're custom built for um, for the purpose of the business that's inside right now. So, and and if that business left, I know a number of other physiotherapists who would move right in and just resume a physio clinic business the weird part you know everyone kind of likes these acronyms things and i know the burr acronym you know in real estate kind of gets a lot of attention i think we need to start one called the the b hustle b (laughs) the reason is you buy a property and then most people get frustrated at that moment because they're like well i want to buy more properties but they're out of money but while you're waiting for the property to appreciate or build up equity if you then go hustle in whatever else you want to do and bring some other value to the marketplace Mm -hmm. at some point you're going to build up some skills and some other cash flow. And then while you're doing that, your property is going to likely appreciate or the debt's going to be paid down. Mm -hmm. And then you can go back and refinance it and buy again. So you can buy something, you hustle to do something else in your life, a side hustle of some sort, a side business of some sort, develop skills, go work for someone else to get those skills, however you're going to do it. And then you can buy again. Yeah. Right after you finish the hustling. And I feel like most investors that I look at, that's the process they go through. They buy, they're kind of pissed off and frustrated that they can't buy more, but the successful ones hustle to go get JV partners, to build another business, to, mm-hmm. to focus on their career and do a side hustle. And then it all comes together and you're really able to leverage your asset base further. And I feel like that's the point you're at right now. Well, yeah. And actually you, you just remind me of something. Um, <clears throat> around the time we were refinancing some of the, um, condos with my brother and, and my buddy Ryan um, I was I was working with the bank and the bank was asking a bunch of questions and stuff and then I the the clinic property uh, the, the commercial property that we have came up and, I, and then I was like why don't we refinance that too <laughs> so so we refinanced that one and um, that's with uh, my my partner and myself and we took some of the money out my wife and I and we're like look we got two boys we should probably buy a rental property for each of them <laughs> that's so cool so, man so my wife and i separate from the the other company um we just started doing that just just for our two kids to make sure that they could each have a property going forward such a difference it's such a head start especially where things where things are going I mean, yeah we always map out property prices and asset financial assets versus um uh, incomes and and yeah it's, it's a big head start yeah you know it changes yeah. it changes the game for them for sure well i just i want to make sure that they can go there and and fix the toilets and cut the grass and rake the leaves <laughs> so yeah because your dad quit you need other property managers yeah. i yeah, see yeah. what you're up to man we were on to <laughs> so listen this physio stuff how did you build up the physio like how does that evolve you start the you get into the uh, to business as a physiotherapist then you're kind of kind of owner or no you're working in some clinics and then how does this evolve yeah so my wife's a physio as well, and um, our, our friend Mark, he was the guy I worked for as soon as I came out of school. Um, so I bought into one of his clinics, and then my wife bought into another clinic that he had, which was down the street from mine, so we were actually competitors. It was kind of awesome. kind of cool. Great family meals. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Hmm. Um, and then uh, Mark and I started another clinic in Hagersville, and we had one up in Collingwood. Um, and he had some other partners scattered around Ontario and Brampton and Mississauga and stuff. So it, it got to a point where um, I think in total, he had about 25 clinics with about 10 different partners. So we decided to bring them all together into one entity and we rolled them all up into one company and made, made one company. So we were... That um, includes your wife's clinic as well? So yeah. the, all those came together, got it. So we were part of the first 10 clinics that joined this company. And from there, we brought other clinics in over time. So over the course of about three years, three or four years, we grew that to a hundred clinics across five provinces, which was, that was, that was a fast growth time. And, and it was, it was a ton of fun, but, um, 
a lot of lessons learned there too. Yeah, what was the what was the attractiveness for the physiotherapist to join into that? You were opening new clinics and then giving them the shell to work out of, I guess, so they didn't have to. We do... would we would actually open them under the company name or buy one where a physiotherapist was a retiring. So we'd buy. What was the company name? Uh, it was called PT Health. Okay, I just didn't know if I had seen it or something. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then I had a friend out east who was a physiotherapist, and I actually went to New Zealand with this guy, uh, Jeff Rooney. And um, while we were building this in Ontario and growing fast, give scotch with this guy too. We did. Uh, we yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I see the theme. I, I got the theme. Okay. No, it's all around scotch. Okay, we got it. Um, yeah, I called up Jeff and told him what we were doing, and and he's got a brilliant friend out there, uh, Dan Purcell, who's who's also a physiotherapist. Um, so I went out to meet with them, and and Mark came out, and we said, "Here's our vision. You know, we'd like to grow into this big national physiotherapy company." And uh, yeah, so together we started in East Coast Division. And uh, I think in about two years, we had 27 clinics out there. When was this? Well, so what year was this at this point? This officially started around 2008, 2009, and uh, grew like crazy until uh, about 2012. Um, then a British company came in and bought us. So, so before we get to the British company, what was the biggest challenge from an organizational point of view that you had to, did you have to grow as a person? Was it just doing more metrics in a different way? What was the challenge in that period? Cause that's, that's crazy growth. Yeah, it was. And, uh, like things are breaking all over the place in that kind of growth. Oh, it was nuts. And it was like firefighting, like you wouldn't yeah. believe. And the East coast was being run in a certain way because that's how they like to do it out there. And Ontario was being run in a certain way. Cause that's how they like to do it. And then the West, right. And, um, when you're trying to run a company and align everybody who's doing everything totally different, it was just chaos. So um, we, we quickly learned to adopt four principles. Um, one was organization, so having a clear org structure, like who's doing what. Um, we established a communication rhythm. So every day there was a, like a daily huddle with your immediate group. And then each team would, would huddle and talk about you know, their priorities, their stocks, stuff like that. Um, Every day that you, th these huddles were done. Yeah. And so, I, cause I, I, you know, I've read a lot of books about the huddles and stuff and, and we kind of base a lot of stuff we do on weekly meetings and then we're, we're, we're conversing regularly every day, Yeah. but we've never done, no, actually for a while you did a daily huddle. Relatively short period of time. It was yeah. a few weeks. We've never been able to sustain the daily huddle. I that, found, that, it, that, I found that, it useful at just a period of time first, when people needed to kind of get aligned with what we thought were priorities because yeah. they thought priorities might have been different things and they were always firefighting instead of doing things that might have a greater impact. Yeah. So just to get people aligned so they saw what we felt were the priorities on a regular basis and then from that point, then they could move on. So yeah, after so the alignment, then we didn't need yeah. the daily huddles That's anymore. It. So that the, the key here was the organization, so a clear org structure, um, the communication rhythm, so daily huddle, a weekly team meeting, things like that, uh, metrics that we would follow like key key metrics that everyone was responsible for, for, and then a focused role. So everyone knew exactly what they were going to do. There was no confusion as to who's doing what, who do you take direction from, things like that. So yeah, the huddle, the huddle was a, a challenge to adopt with a lot of people. But when you're trying to organize five provinces to try to do the same thing and work in the same manner, communication on a like consistent, regular basis had to happen. And we, we uh, within a short time, I'll say about like, six to nine months got these like uh five different operations all working seamlessly together and it was it was pretty amazing yeah you're so casual about it you that is pretty freaking amazing man you're just talking about your, it like well, yeah what was your role there your specific your specific role yeah big so word. i uh that I, is a big word for you man yeah, congratulations seemed, seemed no, that's good specific. no that's a pretty good word man that's word grade I was, four. we're I probably leading, grade four we're grade four <laughs> i was leading the the like working with Dan and Jeff out east to build up that that region. Okay. And then um, I moved into a role where I would work with the the national operations team. So I I had a, a team member who was leading the west, a team member leading Ontario, and a team member leading the east. And so the th they would report to me. We develop a plan, zip it up. Cool. And then mm. okay, and where are we going? And then you got bought out by these the, by the, the British, British companies. Guys. Yeah. What, so they just saw they were a physio company, health based no, company. They, they were uh, an insurance like telemetrics type company, and so they want to integrate the an automobile insurance type uh, component to it, technology. 
Got it. So they wanted to have the whole vertical where they can just offer everything mm-hmm. to. Yeah, yeah. Holy smokes. And then, and then, so and it sounds like you had enough of that at that point. So they bought you out. You're like, really good. And then you guys just started your own clinics and yep. just kind of went that route. Yeah, there was a period of transition. Um, uh, my wife and I bought a clinic in Hamilton. She moved over there, and then I stuck around the other company for a period of time until I could find another opportunity. And uh, that's so, when- so with everything you knew, what did you find interesting about the clinic that you bought? Was it location, patient base? I don't know anything about that industry. I'm just curious. Without giving away your secrets, yeah. What was the what was it that you were looking for? Uh, a clip. A clinic that we could improve the existing operation. So with all the all the operations and clinics that we studied and clinics we acquired and, and we um, helped those clinics grow, we found a clinic that was um, has been around for a while. I had a previous customer base. Um, it was in a great location and uh, it was not not run very well at all. Mm-hmm. So we were able to walk in. It must be weird to find that business. We found the opportunity. We found some guys who don't know what they're doing. So we think that's the opportunity. Somehow they I made mean, it work a little and bit. Essentially, so. I mean, that's 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 how business is done. So yeah, well, yeah, that's how it is. I, I just, should qualify that. And I've talked to Nick about this before. Um, my wife took over the operation and, and management and running the, yeah. the first clinic. She knows got. what she's doing. Dave doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave's <laughs> drinking scotch. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. We've made it a thing. Sorry, yeah. No, I got to say, like, she she is a rock star. Like, a, you know, she walked in there, and I remember the first day, she was nervous as anything to go in there because the old owner was there. She was new. The rest of the team was there. All the patients. No one knew yeah. her. Where were you? Who is this lady? Where? What's she going to make us do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, where were you? Why I was you? at my old job. Oh, okay. Still, right. still putting got in, a solid excuse. Putting in right. my time. And, uh, and I was texting her, like, through the morning, like, how's it going? Is everything okay? Right? And there was nothing. And then by noon, I got a text. I'm going to kill it. That's what she said. Like, I got this. And the old owner was going to stick around for like two weeks. And she didn't come back after day one. Like, just was, get out of here. Yeah. She's like, Good I got this. Why was that? She just saw your wife told her not to come back or she just. She's didn't. like, you don't need to come back. I've got it from here. And just went with it. Oh, yeah. good for her, man. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Great. Yeah. And, and then that's when you, you said that's right around the time. So it was around that time where your real estate stuff syncs up with your lives because that's when you joined rockstar mm-hmm. and you met jp and you're buying some properties yeah and then you were then from us you probably were surprised to hear some of our own small business kind of strategies well, and yeah. thinking and that kind of thing i remember the first year life year terms event i went to i went by myself you were probably like what the hell am i going oh, to like saturday thund- morning thunderstruck's going on like, yeah. what is going on here <laughs> i forgot thunderstruck's great dude. yeah i know well, we, we <laughs> That's my dad's nickname. No uh, way, really? Is it? Wow. Why? We will. I will leave yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, we'll just leave that one. one. We'll just, leave, yeah, we'll just leave that one right there. But we, we, we. Yeah, Nick and I are. We are allergic to any sort of conferences or doing any events where people think they're more important than they should think yeah, they are. For sure. So we are just like casual about everything because that's just who we are. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you th- heard the thunderstruck when you came into this. Well, you know, I, I was listening to the stuff and, and your economic update was great and the, the on the streets update and stuff. And then there was like an hour and a half presentation about how to attract a lead. Right. And you did this thing. And I was just sitting there like, what? Like, this is where I need to be. <laughs> like, it was like- so for anyone listening, a lead in the way we discuss it is if you're a business owner, how do you get someone to raise their hand and basically identify themselves as, hey, I'm somewhat interested in your business. I'm not a customer yet, yep. but I'm kind of sort of interested in stuff you're doing. Tell me more. Yep. And we give some presentations on that because we think the real path to freedom is twofold. You need assets, but if you can understand how to attract customers to a business, you have pure freedom. Because you can do any business, any like if you understand that, you can open a bar, you can open a physio clinic, you can open a real estate brokerage, you can open up a restaurant, you can open a gym, you can do whatever you want. And it's the true path to personal freedom. Mm-hmm. And I know people think we're ridiculous sometimes when we say that, but we mean it from like the depths of our soul. Yeah, like when you when you explained that presentation and you were both out there like pointing to this and saying that and just made it sound so easy. And I was like, holy crap, like... I need to know more of this, right? And uh, the 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 business lessons I got from from that old national physio company were great, and they were they were awesome, and they were operational, and we learned a lot of what not to do and a lot of what you should do. But 
um, that was with like a big company with lots of people over like a wide geography. This was like in my shop, here are the things I need to do today. And that's, that's where I've learned tons of lessons. From and I think guys. that's what, that's what gave us the confidence to quit our corporate jobs because I think in the corporate roles, it was kind of, you couldn't find anyone who really understood how the customers were coming in. Mm-hmm. Like you would go around and, and, and if you just talk to the marketing people, they were like sponsoring a golf tournament. And they were going to make a banner for like the ninth hole, mm-hmm. you know, on the turn or on the bend. What is it on golf? I don't even golf. I just we've done that. Term. I just learned that. Oh, I don't you know. know we, I don't know but but anyway, you make a banner or they're ordering pens and that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I don't mean to demean anyone who's doing that kind of stuff in a marketing. But role, you just but did. No, because that's what's taught. <laughs> that's what's taught in the, that corporation to do. That is the yeah. important marketing role: organizing lunch and learns and ordering the pizzas for the lunch and learns and all that kind of stuff. That's the the marketing role. But when when we were going to go out on our own, we we quickly realized we need to know how to get a customer to like come in the door or call the business or email us. And nobody seemed to under, give us that information. And no one seemed to have a clue. Like you're just left to your own devices to mm-hmm. figure that stuff out. So for us to be able to share it, Dave, that's why we, we feel so passionate about sharing it. We're like, holy shit, yeah. this is the stuff you need to know. Well, you know what? When, uh, so when we got the, the Milton Clinic... Um, on my and it was soon after that presentation i have i had a a single piece of white paper and i typed it out right in the middle in like number 12 font so no one could really see it unless you're like up close looking at it and i put it on my wall and it said your words from that presentation what is the process you use to get a new customer that's it and if you could answer that question like confidently answer that question and there's so much to that like what's the process right how do you turn that lead into a customer what are the steps that you take? And like um, soon after that, I started studying and learning and reading Dan Kennedy stuff. And I emailed you and I said, Tom, can you tell me how to do this like faster? Or I don't understand some of these things. I, I vaguely remember this email. Did we say anything smart in the reply? <laughs> you said, you said, said there's no fast way. Yeah, you said there's no fast way. You're going to have to do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> just, just learn it. You, sorry, there's no shortcut. You words, just got to do it. Words of brilliance. Eh? No, yeah. you know what it is, though? That's the competitive advantage, though. That mo- Most people, and I know you get that, but most people come to us ultimately with that question. They're like, and I can't tell you how many people have walked in here saying, okay, I want to do, I want to quit my job or I want to grow my business. Can you and Nick just tell me the people you guys use to do all the things you say to do? And we're like, no, that's the weird part. There's nobody. You have to quarterback this beast. But don't think of it as a negative. It's actually a positive because that means your competitors across the street, not only they can they not hire these people who are going to do all this stuff, they don't even know this stuff needs to be done. Right. So just the fact that you're going to muddle along and get through this stuff is the competitive advantage. And, and really, I'll just plug Dan Kennedy here. If anyone listening to this is a business owner and you want to pick up some of his stuff, his books are pure gold. That set us on a, that changed our whole mindset about business. Yeah. So uh, that's cool that you, you did that. Because the process is, like the process is everything. Mm-hmm. Like that process is, Nick and I, one time uh, somebody sat us down and said, you know what, you guys, you guys have a really cool name and a cool logo. This is like we're two years in. And can you sit down? We want to talk to you about branding because we've looked at some of your ugly marketing and you clearly don't understand branding. So we want to sit down. And remember, Nick, we sat down for that meeting. Do you know the meeting? Do you know how pissed about? off I was by the <laughs> oh end of it? God. Yeah. There was, Dave, yeah. Nick was going to, I think Nick was going to punch the guy in the head and walk out. And I was just like, just being, trying to just get through this thing. It was, uh, yeah. it was, it was, was so rich. I forget when he started talking about how much he, he's going to charge us to bring us to do something with our brand, to come do it something with his. I'm like, what is this guy even talking about? And I, I basically said to him, like, look, you should actually be paying me right now for what I'm telling you. And I told him all the things that he needs to do in his business. And I'm like, and that was it. It's not so that true. I, and Nick, it's not, really it did a, give, Nick reverse roles and gave him a coaching lesson on the spot. But it wasn't from a place of arrogance. It was just like, I, I just, this, the, you know, it, it's like learning from, to me, it's like a trainer. If you, you're hiring a, a personal trainer for physical fitness, but they're like an overweight, smoking, alcoholic, you, you know, and you're like, eh, that might not be the best person that you want to get, be as a personal trainer. It felt like that's who was talking to me, trying mm-hmm. to give me the advice on this stuff, right? So it wasn't a, from a place of arrogance for sure. I no, feel like no, I no, 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 no. I think we had looked at his business and we realized all the things that he wasn't doing. Right. And he was trying to get business by just walking into people's businesses and like, and, and the reason he could walk up to us, by the way, was we were in an executive suites. 
So they're all little offices that you rent yeah, out. And he yeah. was one of the guys in there that's and so kind of was watching what we were doing. But that's cool. So did you continue down the path to build that out? And is that something you continue yeah, to do? Yeah, it's an ongoing thing. Um, I'm never... I never feel like I'm where I want to be. Like, I feel like there's always more that needs to be done. Um, but you uh, have done a lot as well, though. You've changed a lot of stuff, you know, so there's, yeah, but they're, and they're always, it's, it's no different than anything else. Like your reward for accomplishing something is like the next level of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's like a video game that just never ends. The right. levels never end. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then you get sit, uh, hit in the side of the head with COVID because you guys were shut down probably, right? Yes. Yeah. For how long? A couple months? Uh, two and a half months. We shut down on my wife's birthday, March 17th. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So, Got it. Uh, yeah. And then we opened back up uh, June 1st. Yeah. And you've been kind of, have been people been okay starting to come back? Because you're in, Mil is it, you're, Milton. sorry, where you're, Milton. Hamilton Mountain and Milton. What's the, what, yeah, since we're on it, what's the name of the clinics? Uh, in Hamilton is Westmount Physio on Rymel Road West, and uh, Milton is Ultima Physio. Okay, okay. So you, yeah, so you shut down, opened, uh, opened up, and then was it? Did people come back right away? Was there hesitation? Yeah. So it felt like a startup again because there was we opened up and there were no names on the schedule, and you know, there's the phone was ringing less than it did before, and uh, you know, we just went into a mode of like. Two weeks before we opened up, I sent an email out to our list and said, we're opening in this time. If you want to be on the priority booking list, you have to reply to this email today just to reserve your spot because we can't guarantee you'll get in unless you do that. And we sent that out twice. We did it two weeks before, one week before, and then we started getting emails. And uh, there were people when we were shut down that were calling and emailing saying, I need to come in, just open up. I won't tell anyone. Yeah. Then, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I won't tell anyone. So, oh my God. <laughs> so we kept their names too, and we would call them right away. And so we had a, a, a pretty good um, boost for June, but those were like urgent need type of people. Yeah, that was the pent-up demand. That was a pent-up demand, and there was a, a, a good spike. And then, you know, as they got better, it started to slow down a little bit. And then... Um, as restrictions were being eased and people were, were coming back out, um, it's, yeah, it's coming back up, which is good. So you guys were able to open it in phase two? Uh, is that how it worked? I think it was I phase three. Oh, I was think it phase it, three by that time? Three. Yeah, I forget. Yeah. Okay. How do we go to now? Like, I got to talk to you about some of this stuff. Like, what happened? What the heck are you doing in New Zealand when you got... Yeah, tell us about this. Like, uh, some of the stuff that you've been through. I don't know. I just... I, I, I'm kind of shocked here. But tell us about this New Zealand situation. <laughs> the New Zealand one I got to hear about when you yeah. were stranded on the rock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so, I always wanted to be a physiotherapist. And the first time I applied to go to McMaster, um, it was the night before I left for New Zealand. So, I scribbled my application together and then gave it to my dad to run down to the school. And I didn't get in. So, thankfully, <laughs> because that gave me a year to go off and, like, do all this fun stuff. So... Um, yeah, I was, I was in New Zealand with two buddies and, uh, there was, we came across this hike that you could go to. We did tons of hiking there and there was this one hike where you could walk through this rainforest into a Creek, walk that Creek meets up with a river. The river goes into a Canyon and with rock walls on the other side. And as you go down the Canyon on the other end, there's a cave and you can sleep overnight in the cave. And we thought that'd be cool. So we checked in at the department of conservation, um, told them what we we're going to do. We registered. She said, uh, weather's fine, the rivers are low, everything's gonna be great, you're gonna have a great time. When's your panic day? And we're like, what's that mean? She said, if you don't come back tomorrow, when should we come looking for you? <laughs> don't even she, ask I me I that know, question. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. I didn't either. I, yeah, I didn't know that there was a That would have changed my whole opinion of the hiking, trip, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so being young and, and Naive, naive and cocky, stupid. And, you know, thinking you can conquer the world. I said, I don't know, four days. If we're not back tomorrow, oh, come, four days. Come looking for us in four days, okay? And she wrote down the date, and I signed it, and we went off. So, but dude, four days? Well, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, you can see where this story's going. She, well. she just said the weather was fine, the water was low. Yeah, okay. So we walked through this beautiful rainforest for about an hour or so. We get to the creek. The creek is called Dilemma Creek. So we should have known right there. <laughs> Dilemma Creek meets up with Fox River, and the Fox River is fed by the Fox Glacier. So the water is like ice cold. So we go into this canyon, and it starts to rain, and the river starts to rise. And uh, when we got in, it was only ankle deep. It starts rising. It's up to our knees now. It's rushing faster. It's hard for us to walk and get a footing, but we keep going because we had to get to the other side of the canyon. And uh, pretty soon, it's hard for us to actually eat, like, do the river crossings, get from side to side or find shallow water. 
and uh and then we're yeah we like lost water bottles like we were getting swept away and we'd grab each other to hold on tight and we couldn't go back the way we came and we couldn't carry on so we're in the middle of this canyon that's flooding rapidly and luckily there was this giant boulder right in the middle of the river and it took us about an hour to make it over to this boulder and we uh the top of the boulder was six feet above the water level we were able to scramble on top and sit on top of the boulder for four days. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. So how you, big is the boulder? Some, you how do you not fall off the boulder? Boulder is about two times the size of this room. So we're talking what? It's 20, maybe 20 feet wide one, one way. Okay. 20, yeah. 25 feet wide. And then like tw- 10 50, feet 10, wide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we sat on the edge of the boulder, our feet dangling over, looking at the water level on the, on the canyon wall on the other side. And we saw like a crack in the wall. So we know that's how high it was. Um, and you're just thinking, why did I say four days? Yeah, yeah, that was my first thought. I'm like, shit, guys, panic days, four days from now. And and who had food? You guys all had food in the backpacks? We had like trail mix and a couple bagels because we thought we'd just be there for the night. Yeah, it was crazy. Did you have water? But I guess the water, you could, you could drink the water out of the river, right? Well, we had iodine tablets, so we'd drop it in there and that purify it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the first the first night we we laid down there and we huddled together. We were soaking wet. It was raining. The, sec- the second day, we just sat there and di- didn't do anything. We were cold. Um, we wanted to conserve our food, so we just, like, nibble on, on the bagels. And uh, the second night, in the, at about 3 in the morning, I heard this thing that sounded like a freight train. And I turned my flashlight on, and the river that was six feet below the rock, or, yeah, below the top, was now up, coming on to where we were sleeping. Holy shit, yeah. man. So Dude, I started, you're, you're lucky to be alive. Totally. So I started freaking out, right? I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> and I said to my buddy, John, I'm like, John, we're jumping into the river. It's going to carry us out to the ocean and then we can just swim back. What kind of <laughs> and, ridiculous plan was that? <laughs> yeah. So the way I remember it is he slapped me and said, grab your bag. And on the rock we were on, there was another rock that was like a, like a steeple. We climbed to the top of that and hung by our, by our hands and just like hanging while the river climbed on top of the rock we were on. So we hung from this top rock from 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. And where we were sleeping around 7 a.m., there was a rapid. Like, but you weren't hanging by your fingers because you would let, you can't have that much grip. No. We had like your our, arms our over. Okay. Arm in your armpits. Over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. So, yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, okay, How many of there? There was just two of you. And there there was three. Oh, there was three actually four of us. And then but one got swept away. Yeah. No. One hurt his knee on the way in, so he turned back. Oh, that worked out well. <laughs> yeah. So this was this was funny. So the second day when we didn't arrive back, he he was waiting for us at the bus stop. We didn't show. He jumped on the bus and just went on to the next town. <laughs> Later that day, he called back to the to the hostel and said, "Is Dave there?" And the guy goes, "No, he never came back." And then he started, you know, calling Panicking. around. And he found out there was a flood. He's like, my friends are there. And they're like, no, he said four days. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so. So 11 a.m. when you're still hanging from that, then what happens? We dropped back down because the river started to retreat. Okay. Okay. So that was uh, now the third day. Was it so, hard to hang for that long? It must no, have it was been, brutal. Huh? Yeah, it was brutal. We, <laughs> we sang the Gambler, uh, the Kenny Rogers song, all night. Just to keep awake and just keep everyone like. This is, like a, this is like a movie. It was crazy. Um, I thought I was going to die. And all I could think about was I want my mom to come around the river on a raft with a grilled cheese and like, <laughs> and blankets and just like carry me home. Um, but yeah, so third night. Like was, that was your mom, not your dad. Cause your dad would just be pissed at yeah. you. <laughs> what are you doing there? The third night it was uneventful. We just slept on our usual spot. And the fourth day, um, the river was starting to retreat. It was, it was down below where it was when we got there. And uh, it was around 11 in the morning. We'd just been sitting there, you know, watching it drop and debating what should we do. We've been here four days already. Should we just spend another night, let it drop further, and then go out? Or it's day four. Maybe they'll come and get us. And as we were having these discussions, it started to rain again. And we're like, screw it. So we jumped in and ran back out the way we came because it was lower than what it was when we got there. Holy shit, so, man! Okay, yeah. let's keep because I know we're gonna we're gonna have a time thing here. So, uh, where's the next thing? What, what's this? Uh, so you still wanted to do more extreme stuff after that? That would have, that would have turned me off for a while, man. Mm-hmm. Holy moly! Yeah, but, what, what what's this wet river boarding thing in New Zealand? What's this? So you know, whitewater rafting. Yeah, you get in a raft, you get a helmet, life jacket, and you 
you know, paddle through rapids. Yeah. Do that without the raft or the paddle. They just give you a flutter board. And, and throw you in? And you jump in. And when you smash the rocks, it, it doesn't hurt? You actually, the water, you're approaching the rock so fast. And in the last second, the, the water pulls you away the from The momentum it. of the water changing off the rock. Yeah, just but you're coming right at it. And you're like, you got your feet yeah. up. And you're like, oh my God, like I'm going to smash right into you it. You did that and on the same trip? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay, what, what's this whole thing about heli skiing in Alaska for seven days and then this guide? What's that? We have a picture of you actually with your life. Yeah. That, that, that was that trip? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what, what, what goes on here? Um, so, the guy, so my buddy Ryan, who's part of our uh, gang properties with my brother, he, one of his buddies um, works for mountain companies and stuff. And he got access to a, a four-person four week-long heli ski trip. And uh, Ryan was showing me all these pictures of like, here are the mountains I'm going to ski and this is what I can do, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... You're showing off. Yeah, I'm like, I want to go. Like, mm -hmm. why didn't you call me? And he mm -hmm. said, I was invited, but if someone drops out, I'll give you a shout. And sure enough, like six weeks before they were leaving, I get a text at work. And he's like, someone dropped out. Let me know in eight hours. And I'm like, crap. The, the dates of that trip are the same dates that we have March break with my, my wife's family in Florida. <laughs> so. So you obviously went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I showed my wife was working late that day and I showed my kids all these videos of like this region in Alaska and like how cool it is. And, and my kids are like, oh, my God, Dad, that's your destiny. You have to do this. I'm like, good. You gotta yeah. keep talking like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we went and. The, the guy who owned the company, and uh, he's a skier. He's an extreme skier. He, he won the first World Extreme Ski Challenge. Um, he has, they call these routes. So a route down a mountain, if you ski it, you own that route until someone else can ski it, and then you both own the route. He has like 25 routes down mountains that nobody will ski because it's just too dangerous because they have a big brain yeah like this guy is insane he's nuts <laughs> got it so you go down so then they classify that your route yeah, yeah. but if everyone does it it's, it doesn't matter yeah. but yeah but if so a helicopter dropped him on top of a mountain that you would look at and you're like that's not skiable nobody should be doing that and he would like and he'd like drop th like 200 feet through the air and land on the mountain and keep going like it was, it's nuts. This but, the, what, what kind of skier are you? This is, are you like an intermediate skier going on this trip? No, I think I'm accomplished as a skier, oh, got but, it. Okay. but this was, this was something I'd never done and I've always wanted to do. So having the opportunity to do this for a week with a guy, like my guide is this guy. It's like a dream. This, yeah, yeah. This is amazing. And it was the ultimate test. I wouldn't say I, I was like, you know, picture perfect skiing down these runs. Like there's these big skis and steep things and changing snow conditions and stuff like it was nothing I've ever done before, but what a what a great rush! For and sure. then what what did, what did happen to this guy after? Yeah, so uh, about a year ago, um, we did this about two years ago, and then about a year ago or maybe six months ago, we got a text that there's a news article. Our guide was arrested for shooting someone in Albuquerque. <laughs> so. One of, self one, like one of his self, self defense, or I have no idea. I don't okay. know. Okay. God. I do not know. <laughs> Where do you even go from here? You've, you've sideswiped yeah. a, a few, a uh, few close encounters. So this was just this is as so just so I'm good. New Zealand, you took off to for a while before school, and then these other trips were after school. You kind of interspersed. Yeah. You just you, there's I, what I respect a lot is that these there's these kind of you know. I don't want to say outrageous, but there's these unusual things that you want to do that aren't easily accessible. Mm -hmm. And you've gone out of your way to do them because you want to do. And I think that's really cool. Like yeah. that's a lot of people don't don't make that a point of doing those types of things. What did you do in the Sahara Sahara Desert? Uh, two things. So that was we got there from Morocco. Um, so I was with, with another buddy of mine and we went to Morocco for three weeks because we went, we had some time and I wasn't in school. I'd actually just got into school. So it was the summer before going into school. And we said, let's, let's go somewhere cool, but like, not like, you know, where everyone goes, Europe or wherever, like, let's go somewhere off the beaten path. Like Ve what, not Vegas. We're not going to Vegas. Yeah, like let's go to the middle East somewhere or somewhere like North Africa. <laughs> and we were starting looking at maps and we're like, Hey, what are we over here? And so we landed on Morocco and uh, in Morocco, there's a mountain range called the high Atlas mountains. And so we, we got a guide 
and it was kind of like Indiana Jones, like, you know, those old medieval towns and, and there's mules walking around and, and people in baskets and stuff like that. They had cobras, like a, a little flute guy and the cobra comes out of the basket. And, and uh, we hired this guide and he took us to his house and, and then we went into this village and he kept us on his porch for a couple hours. And then we started this like three day hike up to the top of the, the highest peak in the Atlas Mountains, which was awesome. Like it was really cool. Um, that was when you rode camels to get there. No, that was on foot. And then oh. when we got back to Marrakesh, um, we took camels into the Sahara desert. And, uh, that was again, a, another unbelievable. I don't experience. do too well with extreme heat and no water next to me. It was, how did you, how did you survive that? Like, what's the temperature you're dealing with here? It was like over 50 degrees Celsius. So we were in the desert for three days and, uh, yeah, the temperature was like super hot. Those headdress things, like it's yep. like a scarf. We found that if you pour water on it and then put it over your face as it evaporates, it can cool you down a bit. Um, I'm just thinking how if I went there with my kids. You're like Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know how my kids that are older now, but I mean, you know how well, you couldn't take your kids in the car to even the shopping mall here without them needing some water? I don't know if your family's like that, mm -hmm. but I'm always like, you don't understand. Like, we didn't have water bottles when we were growing up. Like, why do you always need water? Well, you guys are still extreme. You still need, and it's got to be cold. Tom's whole family, if it's not cold, they're like, oh, I mean, no, that's just me and, me and oh, Sienna. Oh, just you? Oh. Just two of us. Well, this was crazy because yeah. we'd buy a bottle of water and put it in our pack. And then by the time we go to get it and drink it, it's hot. So all the drinks we had was hot. And then at the end of the day of being on the camel, they give you tea. And I'm like, I don't want hot tea. I want like ice cubes. Um, Isn't the logic behind that? I learned something. I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe is that because you're drinking the hot tea, your body will actually work to cool itself. It's no different than if you if you're like really hot, like right after the workout. If you go and try to take a cold shower, mm -hmm. it doesn't help you cool down faster because what happens is your body will actually from to counteract the cold water. It will actually try to warm itself, mm -hmm. so it keeps you warmer. Right. So is that the logic from the, the, the yeah, tea? Yeah, it must be. In the, it's, it sounds logical, but it probably yeah. makes no like sense. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. Was, yeah, yeah. Someone's like, listening to this, thinking, "Who are these three yeah, guys yeah. talking about?" <laughs> well, they, just said that one last thing about the camels. Right as we were like. Uh, leaving on this tour into the desert and we're about an hour into this ride and there's sand dunes everywhere the guy stops and he's like you know what i think there's going to be a sandstorm coming up and if there is it's fine we keep going but we might get lost so <laughs> as a group we can decide do you want to keep going or do you want to head back and we've, we're already out for an hour and he said he uses sand dunes as land markers so in the storm if they change his markers will be lost and not the best thing to use as markers, yeah, man. He might not, he might not find his way back. And, and I'm like, I don't want to do a rock again and be out here for four <laughs> days. But we went, I didn't want to be the guy to say, no, let's go back. Yeah. So, and the yeah. sand dudes didn't change and you made it. We out. were okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next in store for you guys now? Like you've done all this real estate stuff. You have your business stuff. You're running the two physio clinics. You've been on some adventures yeah. that most people never get to uh, uh, appreciate. What, what's next? Like, is there something next on the real estate front? The family, you're going to take them on trips. What, what's next for you? Um, we don't know. Like, we're but friends also say that. They're like, when are you buying another place? When are you going to do that? And I'm like, I'm pretty content with what we have. Like, managing what we have is, is work enough. And, um, I think I, I like what we've kind of built and assembled, and it's fun fun operating these different businesses so that's really fun um we were hoping to go to italy and then jump into croatia actually it was going to be this september that just passed but that all changed yeah a lot um, of people's plans have changed yeah so travel you know we're assembling a bucket list of, of travel places to that's go cool. to um and if we could you know knock one or two of those off when the stuff opens up again then i think that's probably our next how old are your kids right now they are 11, uh, Lachlan's 11 and Sawyer's 13. Um, and, and what are you thinking with everything you've been through business-wise and with real estate? What are you going to tell them about life and money and business? And, you know, not that not that you have to make anybody money hungry. I don't mean that. Just, you know, what kind of lessons do you think you, you're going to pass over to them? Um, yeah, we, we have already started talking about those things. Um, I gave my son uh, the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, to casually oh, read. It's and a, uh, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, he gave it back to me. So yeah, we'll yeah. try again in a couple, <laughs> a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I read it in my mid-20s. Yeah. So you, you're a little early on that book. Yeah. I think for my, my daughter at that age, it was like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I thought that was like kind of well-written you know, well yeah. and yeah. easy enough to read. For sure. But I pretty much had to bribe her, yeah. bribe her through the book. 
Um, yeah, I might I might try that next. It's yeah. a thick one, so he might be turned off by that. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. It's yeah, an easy. It's a really easy read. Though. The font size is yeah. pretty big yeah. in there, so like yeah. it doesn't look intimidating. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Um, I do, we do bring them to uh, showings when people are coming through the house and they can watch us and how we talk to people. Um, Sawyer was was pretty awesome last summer. He got a job as a caddy at the Hamilton Golf and Country Club in in Ancaster there, and uh, I was a caddy there when I was a kid as well. So oh, cool. to ha- have him work there at the same time was was awesome. Um, but the, like the pay's not good, and you're hauling a golf bag around for four hours. But the coolest thing that I saw from him when he would come home from work every day or I'd run down and pick him up, I'd be like, tell me about the group of golfers you were with. And he's like, uh, I had PD and PD was my favorite. He was such a nice guy and PD did this. But but Joe, he was a, a real ass. And and I, could, I think Joe was really rich, but he treated the other guys like like and, you know, like his perception of, of how to relate to other people and get to see how they relate to like he came aware with a, a social awareness or like how to understand people, how to talk to people, when to talk and when not and stuff like that. Like that, what he learned that summer, I think was awesome. And that was my favorite part was going down to pick him up and hearing him talk about the people he just spent four hours with. Like that was pretty cool. You know, what's so cool. You have so many cool, cool parts to your story, but the fact that you started in real estate after that bottle of scotch to buy that property that turned into five properties. The reason I like that so much is that in life, if you can make the decision... I don't want to say right decisions. I mean, if you can understand how the system works and just put yourself in the middle of it, you can really get ahead financially and live a life of contentment, which I feel like you have. Mm -hmm. You know, you say you don't need anymore. You got your clinics, you got some properties and you're content. Like that's to us living life on your own terms. That is it. Like being content with what you have. You don't have to have the next. And you got a lot of that because you were able to play the money game the right way. Well, and, and and no one really taught you that. It was the bottle of scotch that yeah. taught you that. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think that's why you guys res- resonate with me so well. And and um, you know, everything you're doing and everything you say and you put out, it kind of hits me. And I'm I think you're a perfect customer because like you know what you speak is exactly what I, I like to hear. And um, your recent thing about find the flow or the trend, put yourself in the middle of it, and let it just carry you forward. And I didn't know that, but that's what I think we did back then was we didn't know i don't know we didn't have this master plan we just knew we needed to do this and let's just it's why i'm always looking forward for myself and for nick and i are always talking about what trends do we see in the economy in real estate in money it's why we talk about gold the way we do now bitcoin the way we do because we're just trying to hey listen what's coming ahead because if we can if we can stay in front of those trends it just carries you to new heights Mm -hmm. almost you almost accidentally. Yeah. And you don't have to pick the one massive trend that's going to hit. That's going to, you know, be the biggest one because there's lots of little things that kind of keep pushing you forward too. Right. It's not, it doesn't, it's, it's not a, a, a like, I guess there's just options is what I'm saying. Totally. And, and I think for real estate, the reason we got involved in real estate wasn't out of a love for real estate. It was that every book and every biography we read, even if people owned other successful businesses, they always seemed to own real estate. Like it was always tied like, oh, okay, like Arnold Schwarzenegger is like a bodybuilder yeah. and a movie star. But then you read more about him. You're like, oh, he like owns all this real estate, put all his money into yeah. real estate. He actually started making his m- more money, more money from, from the bodybuilding. From, from, from his re- real estate. Yeah. And so it was, became obvious to us like, oh, we got to buy some real estate. Yeah, And then it's the same with people when they were acquiring assets. It's what hit me when I think it was a Mark Cuban quote recently or a tweet that I saw. I guess it wasn't recently, it was last year sometime, but it was just about when you, the, the goal of acquiring assets is to have those assets buy other assets for you. And that's kind of the nicest, like, and that's where the businesses and the real estate and stuff comes in. Cause that, that's to your point about when you were refinancing your properties or your business, right? Cause you had your physio clinic that actually bought the other asset for you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when you're able to really like, that's game changing from a, just a stability and, and I guess a kind of life cycle of what you're doing in your own business and finances, whatever. Yeah. And, and sometimes I, I, I think people will listen to this and think there is no value in having your kids work for someone else. And I think there is still tons of value because personally I learned a ton from, from Oracle working for someone else, seeing the inner workings of a big company. And it was in a trending industry. So maybe I benefited from that, but I did learn a ton that Nick and I have I been think in. it's important. I think it's, because you can't, it's some, it, it can be very hard. I guess maybe it's my personality. It's very hard for me to appreciate something unless I've seen something else on the other side. It, it, it's, I, I can appreciate it, but when I see something else on the other side, it's much easier. 
because I can see that and be like, I don't want to be here. And and it's like when, when I was a kid and I was scraping drywall floors and doing insulation on the construction site and 30 degree heat and, and carrying drywall, hand bombing it up to the, the two unit stairs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, man, at this age, I was just like, you know what? I don't, this is, this, this, these days can drag on sometimes. Like, I don't, I think I got to be knowing that I want to look for elsewhere for something too. There's nothing wrong with that. But just for me at that point, I was like, I'm scared of this work. This hard labor thing, man, it's tough, you know? So it's so cool, man. To hear your story about the properties and the businesses, you are, you, you know, yeah, it, it's cool to see. So thanks for sharing. Anything else you want to share before we... Or, what about the physio side? What I mean, you know, how do people... I mean, we haven't spoken about the physio side. We should probably do that another time maybe. But but if someone was listening to this and be like, yeah, the guy that's stuck on a rock, I actually want to talk to him about physio <laughs> stuff. How do they... Where do they find your clinic or your wife's clinic? I know uh, you mentioned the names. What are the websites or whatever? Yeah, the Milton is ultimaphysiomilton.ca. So Ultima, A-L-T-I-M-A? Yeah. Okay, physio.ca? Physiomilton.ca. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And then uh, westmountphysio.com in Hamilton. She got the .com, you got the .ca. Yeah. All right. And That's did you guys good. specialize in anything specific or you cover it all? Uh, yeah, just general orthopedic physio. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Dave, thanks for doing this, man. Thank totally you for appreciate it. Me. Do not get stuck on a rock again. No, okay, I won't. that's an order. <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Dave. Good guy. We're going to bring him back because afterwards we clearly realized, Dave, and if you're listening to this, you're the one who said it. So you're going to earn points here. Um, you said that your wife is the brains behind a lot of the business operations. So we're going to bring you guys both back on at some point so we can hear some more stories. Thanks for doing that. If you're listening to this and you're, you want to become a rock star in our circle, circle member, you can check out everything that we offer in that membership at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And if you use the code YLYT to join the membership, you get a big juicy discount. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>